This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. I'm pleased to inform the House that we are open to giving Canadians the option to voluntarily contribute more to the Canada Pension Plan to supplement their current CPP retirement savings. That's Finance Minister Joe Oliver making a bombshell announcement that reverses a long-standing Conservative policy against enhancing the Canada Pension Plan. Critics are condemning it as an election ploy. Is there any merit to the idea? I'll talk to two of our foremost retirement experts. Plus, Miranda Esmond-White is a former professional ballerina-turned-fitness guru, the author of the New York Times bestseller, Aging Backwards, and a presenter at this year's Idea City Conference. She'll give us a preview of her presentation that will explore how changing our workout routine can help us reverse aging. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Cancer could be even more pervasive in the coming years, largely because of an aging population. A report released this week by the Canadian Cancer Society says the number of new cancer cases in 2030 will be 40% higher than it is now. The organization says this is mainly because of demographics. Most people are diagnosed with cancer between the ages of 50 and 79, and that is a rapidly growing part of the population. Prostate cancer is expected to become the most commonly diagnosed cancer, followed by colorectal, lung, and breast cancer. On the positive side, cancer survival rates have been climbing since 1988. This week, the death toll topped 1,400 as a massive heat wave continued to scorch southern India. The government launched intense awareness campaigns, urging people to stay inside during midday, keep hydrated, and avoid strenuous activities. However, missing work isn't an option for many of India's poorest citizens. Zoomers are also among the most vulnerable since many live in slums or farm huts with no access to air conditioners or sometimes even shady trees. China's Zoomers are set to become a driving force in the country's economy. A new survey by the market intelligence company Mintel shows they are hungry for adventure and eager to spend on high-quality goods and services. More than half of the people surveyed said they had extra money to spend at the end of every month. It's estimated that China will have 230 million people aged 60 and above by the end of the year. And finally, if you have grandchildren, you probably know everything about them. Their favorite food, school subjects, sports, well, that's a bit harder for Leo and Ruth Zanger of Illinois. This week, the couple welcomed their 100th grandchild into the world, a boy named Jackson. The couple are only in their late 70s. They have 12 children of their own. 
They say they never anticipated having such a large family that it just sort of happened. And while most of the clan still lives in their hometown of Quincy, Illinois, they joke that they could start their own town. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It was a surprise bombshell. After years of opposing attempts to enhance the Canada Pension Plan, the Conservative government announced this week that it would support a voluntary expansion. The proposal sparked a heated attack from the opposition, and politicians are not the only critics. Here's Zoomer financial guru Gordon Pape. I think what they're trying to do here is simply an election ploy to try to outflank the Liberals and the NDP who are in favor of increasing CPP benefits across the board. And as a advantageous side effect, as far as Ottawa is concerned, it would tend to undermine Kathleen Wynne's plans to uh, build an, an Ontario pension plan to run parallel with the CPP. So, uh, quite frankly, I do not see uh, much in the way of sincerity here. Uh, What we have to keep in mind as well is that this government has only proposed to study the idea. It hasn't made any commitment to actually do anything. And in any such situation like this, the, the devil would always be in the details. The Tory plan is devoid of details. All the finance minister is saying for sure is that he would not mandate matching contributions from employers. How could such a program work? I reached Keith Ambechir, Director Emeritus of the Rotman International Centre of Pension Management. The thing that makes this proposal attractive to the Harper government is that it's voluntary. What is your view of a voluntary enhancement versus... So, so the research shows that um, you know, there's a certain number of people that will do things on a voluntary basis. So an example would be the people that are saving on their own in RSPs. Uh, but we also know that a lot of people are not doing that. And, you know, there, there's a human behavior called inertia. And, and, and I think that's the issue that you have to deal with, is that on a voluntary basis, inertia will prevent a significant number of private sector workers without pension plans from saving enough. And the question is, you know, is that a public policy issue? You know, should, should public policy do something for those people? And it, there's a philosophical question there that says, on the one hand, there are people that say, like the conservative governments, no, you know, people have to make their own choices. And there's another group that says, no, you know, because of this inertia, we have to help people do the right thing on their behalf. So there's an interesting intermediate position between those two extremes, which is what the U.K. is doing with their program that could look a lot like what the ORPP could be. And, you know, this is this notion of automatic enrollment with an option to opt out. Isn't that like negative option billing, which did not go over well here in Canada? Well, but, you know, but, but that's a very, to me, that's a very different thing, because the way that this would be different is, is that this is your money. And, you know, whether you choose, even if you choose to stay in, it's still your money. It's just that you don't have access to it until you retire. Okay, so you're, you're saying that would make it um, voluntary, but uh, hard to turn down. And this is, you know, this is the new behavioral finance. There's a whole new sort of branch of, of, of economics and finance that actually takes human behavior into account in, in how you frame things. 
And, you know, there's a book called Nudge that was written a few years ago, uh, which is, it takes this whole notion in terms of, you know, a, any decision process for humans. You know, if you, if you go through sort of a takeout restaurant, you know, what do you put, what do you put in line first? Do you put the salad in or the dessert? <laughs> right? hmm. And that affects people's choices. Well, the same thing is true, I think, with retirement income systems, is that, you know, if you think through what people should be deciding, and then you basically say, you know, congratulations, we're going to do this on your behalf. But if you really don't want to do this, you can opt out. Uh, you know, I think that's a really good way to go. In the U.K., the retention rate in Nest, that's what they call their ORPP. It's called Nest in the mm-hmm. U.K. Good name. <laughs> uh, yeah, it stands for National Employment uh, Savings Trust, by the way, but it's Nest for short. And they actually, on their website, they have little birds and nests, and, and they make it very user-friendly. The retention rate's 92%. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, but if, if you choose a system where it's voluntary and you have your individual account on on top of your CPP account, doesn't that make the administration a lot more expensive and cumbersome, tracking individual accounts? You are absolutely taking the complexity level up considerably. And, you know, somebody would have to figure out of how to keep track of all this. You're right. And that is going to cost money. So, so again, you know, to me, the, the, the simplest thing to do is if you keep them separate, if you try and you know, have these additional pension credits on top of the way the CPP currently works, uh, that would be a huge level of complexity, including a lot of controversy of how to make those calculations. Because, you know, the higher return you assume on the money, the lower the cost, in theory. Right. But if you don't make the return, then, you know, who pays the difference? Presumably the next generation. So you can game the system. That's my concern. And that's why I would prefer to see, you know, real money and real accounts that people really own, with the money being managed really well. Mm-hmm. And and this just being a, a little more accessible than having a, a private person. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, as an expert in a community, pension community, how is this uh, idea being received? Well, uh, I, I would think, you know, they're having the kind of discussions that you and I are having is, you know, what could it mean? What are the implications if it means, you know, the pension pot? What are the implications if it means a future pension promise down the road, and, and how would that actually work in practice? I mean, those are the kind of discussions that you have. And then the, the other thing is, is voluntary versus mandatory, you know, which has always been a big issue, and it's always going to be sort of an ideological issue as to where you stand on that question. Finally, back to this issue of different pension plans. Uh, could this conceivably work? I mean, let's say uh, Tories are reelected, they bring this in. Could it... Is it feasible on top of an Ontario pension plan and CPP and OAS and this voluntary thing, too? Um, well, I, I think what, what the thing to keep in mind is, is that there's a rule in terms of CPP enhancement, and it's very strict, and it's in the CPP Act, and, and it's that any change to the CPP must be agreed to by two-thirds of the provinces with two-thirds of the population. Right. So, you know, what... Currently, this voluntary uh, proposal, my guess is, is that, you know, Ontario and Quebec would say no. So it's dead. Hmm. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, my pleasure. Bye-bye. That was Keith Ambachir. The government has said it will begin consultations on voluntary supplementary CPP this summer. 
I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Miranda Esmond-White. She'll tell us how changing the way we exercise can help us age backwards. It's a fantasy that inspired the movie The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. But according to Miranda Esmond-White, we can all age backwards. The former ballet dancer now trains world-class athletes, including the Montreal Canadiens and Olympic medalists Alexandre Despatie and Joanne Rochette. She explained her simple system for a younger body. Most of us think that as we age, we just keep on aging and getting older and creakier and stiffer and with all kinds of aches and pains and uh, osteoporosis and things. I show you how very clearly with the backup of science, how you can actually very simply turn the clock around and get younger again. So you're actually going to age backwards. How simple is it? Very, very simple. That's the irony of the whole thing is we've never understood the actual process of aging from a cellular level till recently. And, you know, science is very interesting. Scientists now are really interested in aging with the baby boomers coming along. So there's the, the way in which we, we age is that our cells wear out, but the cells don't have to wear out. And it's very simple to keep the cells from wearing out and atrophying simply by moving them. And it doesn't have to be jumping around and doing two hours in the gym. It's just simply by very gentle movements to remind them that they're alive. There have been a lot of studies that say that if you want to stay active as you get older, you have to exercise, that it doesn't take much exercise, half an hour a day, doesn't have to be that vigorous, but still, it people don't seem to do it. Well, one of the problems is that the correct exercise programs aren't on the market. That's one thing. People are made to do treadmills or weights and stuff like that. That's basically, if you go to a gym, that's what they'll get you to do. But what the human body is we have roughly 650 muscles in our body and every muscle has to be kept vital so if you're going to exercise you have to exercise all 650 of those muscles so that has to be and then the other issue is what you're talking about is why don't people do it and that's because it's really boring or it hurts um or both. <laughs> or both, yeah. Really, really boring is one of the biggest problems. Yeah, and, and hurts, and they get injured doing it, so then they can't keep on doing it. So the, the solution, my, well, my program works all 650 muscles, but it's really gentle, smooth movements, uh, easy, easy to do, and nothing is, there's zero, absolutely zero impact on the joints. Uh, it's 20 minutes to half an hour every day, just like they say, but you have to do the full body. The muscles have to be equally strong as flexible. And fitness people do all strengthening, and they may throw in a little bit of stretching somewhere along the line. But that's not the way to have your muscles rebalanced. That The flexibility component has to be built right into the muscle cell, right into the tissue, not on the side. You don't stretch and then strengthen, but you do them at the same time. And it's very, very simple to do. Are you sitting at a desk? Mm-hmm. Okay, so imagine you're washing your, the top of your desk. So you just swirl your arm around. Okay, mm-hmm. so you wash it with one arm, and then you wash it with I'm the other. It. 
and then you wash the wall, start on the wall, you go a little higher, uh-huh. <laughs> go wash the other wall, so you're doing these big circular movements. I am, I'm arm. sitting here, yes. Oh, good for, good for you. Now touch the ceiling with your hand. Uh, okay. I have to stand up to do that or just while oh, I'm sitting? Oh, stand up is all the better because you're going to get right into your feet. So now stand and touch the ceiling. Okay. okay. I can't quite get the ceiling, but... Okay, good. So stay there and right. squeeze your shoulder muscles and your, make a fist and tighten up your shoulder muscles. Tight, tight, tight so mm-hmm. that they're like all bunged up, okay? Got it. Now yeah. completely relax your shoulders. Okay? okay, did you relax them? Yeah. Now relax your fingers. How are they? Nice and soft and gooey? Mm-hmm. Okay, now try to touch the ceiling. And you probably went higher. Yep. Okay. And how important is posture? Posture is the most important thing. Posture is, I mean, your core, your trunk, everything comes out of it. So inside the trunk, inside the core, where, where our, what we call posture should be, are our heart, our lungs, our kidney, our intestines, the full digestive system, the endocrine system, all the major systems of our body, except for our brain, are housed in there. And if it starts shrinking, they're going to get squished. And if we're rounded over, the heart's going to be compressed. We're not going to be able to get in the correct amount of oxygen to revitalize the body. We're not going to be expelling all those nasty carbon dioxides and the toxins that we've built up. Posture is everything absolutely everything posture gives us health and it makes us attractive it's everything and you can't get good posture if you don't work all 650 muscles okay Miranda, <laughs> so excited? I'm I all can't ex- wait to I, help you with your knees and I, I want to hear about your knees <laughs> I look forward to meeting you at idea city wonderful okay bye-bye Miranda Esmond-White is one of many interesting presenters taking part in this year's Idea City Conference. It runs from June 7th to the 19th at Toronto's Kerner Hall. For more information, go to ideacityonline.com. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. The frontman from one of the Zoomer Generation's predominant rock and roll bands celebrated his 70th birthday. In just a moment, we'll return with the music of CCR. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, Academy Award-nominated actor Sam Waterston is back for his 13th season of Shakespeare in the Park. No less in space, validity, and pleasure than that conferred on Goneril. That was Waterston as King Lear. This season, he plays Prospero in The Tempest, which is in previews. In the Windy City, an exhibition brings Ireland to life in the years from 1690 to 1840. Curator Christopher Monkhouse says you will feel what life was like. Ireland Crossroads of Art and Design is at the Art Institute of Chicago. To London, where Beverly Knight and Killian Donnelly star in Memphis, the musical. It's the story of a 1950s radio DJ who brings the music of a black artist to the masses, taking her away from the segregated clubs of Tennessee. It's at the Shaftesbury Theater. And in Rome, Artists of the 19th Century is a major exhibition of artists from the various regions of Italy at the Gallery of Modern Art. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. 
This week, John Fogarty, the lead singer and lead guitarist of the band Credence Clearwater Revival, celebrated his 70th birthday. CCR is one of the most iconic bands of the Zoomer generation. And although they played up a southern image with songs like Born on the Bayou, they were actually from Berkeley, California. The group only lasted for five years, from 1967 to 1972, but they were very prolific years. They released seven studio albums, six of which went platinum. After CCR broke up in 1972, John Fogarty continued writing and performing music as a solo artist. It's been an incredibly successful ride for him, and as he is entering his 70s, he's showing no signs of slowing down. Right now, we'll hear one of CCR's famous hits, written and sung by John Fogarty. Here is Bad Moon Rising. That was CCR with Bad Moon Rising. Singer and songwriter John Fogarty celebrated his 70th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snyder. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandrian. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air and The Garden Show.